Well, hey, y'all, and welcome to The Messy Table. What we like to say is an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's at work in our mess. Because there's power in stories, and there's power in telling our stories. And mostly there is power because of the work of God in our stories. So if we haven't yet had the chance to meet, my name is Jen Jewell, and I have the honor of hosting this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast which rolls out a fresh perspective and a new story of hope every other week, every other Tuesday. And with me today as my co-host is my longtime friend who was a guest on the podcast way back toward the beginning, who's just super fun and wise, the beautiful Christy Ivy. And y'all, we are both genuinely so glad you're here. It is a joy to lock arms with you wherever you are, whatever your story. And we're also partnered with the women of our church, Life Church, where we are big time fans of the YouVersion Bible app. God's Word literally in our back pockets for free wherever we go. Because yes, sharing our stories is great, but only because they are a part of the best story on earth, the most epic story in history, which from beginning to end is God's story. And so as you are well aware, there are big messes in life and small messes in life every single day. There are good messes, like when you're making an amazing meal or starting that new business or raising kids. And there are hard messes, whether a mess has found you or you have caused the mess. But regardless of the kinds of challenges we face, even the unexpected ones, God's mercies are available each and every time. And that is why we are thrilled to introduce you to our guest for today. Amanda Wright is a darling wife and spunky mom of three who on the surface is a cute suburban mama who's working and serving and running kids from school to sports to all the things. But what you wouldn't know if you were just meeting her is that her backstory comes with some unexpected twists and unplanned turns. And now today, she's here to bravely shed some light on a messy part of her story. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join Christy and me for a chat with Amanda. Well, I have one of my best friends here co-hosting with me today, Christy Ivy, and we get to interview your beautiful sister-in-law, Amanda. And so girls, welcome to the Thank messy you. table. Thank, Thank you. So excited. Such a fun day. I get to be here with two of my very best friends, mm-hmm. Jen and my sister-in-law. I don't even really like to say in-law. I just like to call her and my other sister-in-law sisters. They really are like we definitely are. Blood sisters. Perfect. So. How long have you guys known each other? I've known Amanda since she was in middle school, way back in the days of her two-way. Oh my gosh. And her son in <laughs> and her son all, all the things. Were you around when I had a perm? Perm, yep. Sixth or seventh grade, maybe. It was so bad. Was For, it super, super curly? Very curly. For whatever reason, I never brushed my hair. It was a little bit of a tomboy. Christy had to totally teach me how to do hair and makeup and all things girl. <laughs> but in the days of the perm, I don't know why. I just never really brushed my hair. And so I ended up having these knots all over my head so bad that there was this one in the back that grew probably the size of a golf ball. And my friends nicknamed it the creature. I don't know why I was okay with it. I just was okay with it. I love it. Until my mom just had to cut it out. Sun and hair. Oh, man. Chipped tooth and broken nose. And her creature. And her creature. But thankfully, I've had wonderful family members to love me through it all. Amanda, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Of course, I know all the ins and outs with you being my sister-in-law, but maybe you could shed some light on who you are. I am 34 years old and live just outside of Oklahoma City with my husband and three kids. We're usually at the ball fields on the weekends. My Mm -hmm. oldest plays softball. So anyway, grew up around here and we were the preacher's kids. I have two older brothers, so we were the preacher's family and we were preacher's kids pretty much our whole childhood. And it was great. We loved it. And life was pretty simple and easy and good for us. I mean, we never really went through anything hard or difficult. We were at the church anytime the doors were open Mm -hmm. and everything in between. So either there or at the ball fields, I mean, we were all very heavily involved with sports, but my parents are still modeling a Christ-like marriage to this day, and we've all remained very close, and now there's 11 grandkids between all of us, and I'm getting a lot of pressure to have a fourth because <laughs> the other it. two have four, yeah, needs to even and it up. I don't know if that's going to happen, but anyway, so that is a little bit about me. Okay, so obviously, this is the messy table. We're here for more than the highlight reel. And I love Revelation 12, 11. It says that the enemy was defeated by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. 
And so that's really what we're doing here. We're just kind of stepping into that messy, sacred space to say, this is what God has done. And I'm going to be bold enough to share that story, even if there are some parts that are hard. And so if you would just take us back, because I know you've been through some stuff and tell us a bit of your story. Yes, thank you. Like I said, growing up, life was pretty darn easy for me. And then fast forward to when I went to college, I went to OU, so I didn't stray too far from home, but I had this idea in my mind that I was going to step foot on campus and go for the MRS degree, you know, (laughs) and meet my future husband and we would lock eyes and fall madly in love and there would be fireworks and I'd be planning my wedding before my freshman year was even over. And that was the idea I had for myself, Mm -hmm. right? And of course, he was probably going to school to be a doctor or something, Mm -hmm. you know, or (laughs) I don't know, something that made a lot of money. Both my brothers got married young. So I just thought, that's what's going to happen for me too. And I would love that to happen for me. Well, my freshman year came and went. That didn't happen. And kind of same story with my sophomore, junior year. I had lots of boyfriends. I brought so (laughs) many boys home to meet my family. Maybe this one. Oh, yes. That's what I thought. And it sounds so desperate. But after a while, I just got so frustrated and irritated with the timing of everything. This is not how I'm tired of waiting. I want to fall in love with someone and have my fairy tale wedding. And God was just not bringing me this person. It was like relationship after relationship. And after a while, slowly but surely, all the, the boundaries and the expectations and the standards I once had for myself, I just kind of started to drop those and let go of those. I thought, gosh, maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm being too much of a Bible thumper. I got called that a lot growing up and even in college. And so I was like, well, God, if if you're not going to do this for me, then I'm just going to take matters into my own hands and make someone fall in love with me, which sounds so bad, sounds so controlling and desperate. But anyway, I thought maybe I'm just being too uptight in my dating relationships. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I just started kind of like giving more and more of myself away with each relationship, thinking that would do the trick. And it certainly did not. Um, And it just would leave me with heartbreak after Mm -hmm. every relationship. And I feel like I could have been in a soap opera with some of these relationships that I was in. And so fast forward to my senior year of college, my super senior year, in fact, I was dealing with a pretty difficult breakup. It was kind of one of the more serious relationships that I had had. And so I'd been dealing with this breakup for a few months and still not over it. And I was trying to get over it the only way I knew how, which was kind of right back into the arms of the next guy. Mm -hmm. And I had been living through this conflict of wanting to live my life for the Lord and glorify and honor Him. Then I get tired and frustrated of doing that and then do things my own way, how I wanted to do them. And it was just this vicious cycle of doing that over and over. So here I am with this next guy I'd been seeing for a few weeks. I'm at the grocery store on my tiny college budget, probably getting mac and cheese and frozen pizza. And I just have this thought that maybe I need to get a pregnancy test. And I go, I get the cheapest box, again, college budget. Mm -hmm. And I go home not thinking anything of it. Were you late? No. I mean, maybe like a day or so, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have anything. There was no symptoms or anything that Mm -hmm. triggered me. to. I really wasn't even that worried. I was just like, well, maybe I'll for peace of mind. I don't know. Yeah. I'll get a pregnancy test. And so I took the first test and I look down and it's positive. And I'm like, oh no. Okay, maybe mm-hmm. it's maybe it's a defective test because it was a cheapo. Okay, I'm gonna chug some water until I have to pee again. We take the next one. Surely it's gonna be negative. It's positive. Mm. And I'm freaking out by then and I don't know what to do. So I had a few friends that two of them are still my some of my very best friends to this day that I reached out to and confided in and told them I have these positive pregnancy tests. Oh my gosh, what do I do? And there was another girl on the group chat and she recommended that I go get a blood test because maybe they were false positives Mm because that's a possibility. And I'm like, yes, that's probably it because these were the cheapo Walmart brand tests. That's it. I know it is. (laughs) So I'm going to go get a blood test. And I'm just this naive Oklahoma Southern Baptist girl. I don't know where to get a blood test to confirm a pregnancy. So I get on Google and Google it up. One of the first 
options to pop up was Planned Parenthood. So again, I don't really know much. I'm just this naive 22-year-old. So I make an appointment. I go. And this was just how it was for me. The waiting room was very, very small. It was smaller than this living room. The tile, I don't know why I remember this, but the tile was like your elementary school tile from like the 80s and 90s. And the walls were like a mustard yellow color. I just remember some of these details so vividly. Mm -hmm. The receptionist was painting her fingernails. So I had to kind of get her attention to check me in. And she gets me checked in. I sit down. I'm the only one in there. Thank goodness. And I'm just trying to think of anything to distract me from why I'm actually there. So, of course, I'm reading some pamphlets that are next to me. I just don't have a good feeling. Obviously, all these feelings are just starting to become real about what's happening. And mm-hmm. so I, the nurse calls me back. She asks me if I took any home pregnancy tests. And I said, yes, ma'am, I, I took a couple. And she said, well, were they positive? And I said, yes, ma'am, they were. And she goes, well, honey, you don't need a blood test then. And I'm like, yes, I do, lady. Get, <laughs> get my blood and let me get out of here. Because there's not that many false positives yeah, when it comes I, to pregnancy tests, right? I didn't know that. Sure. You know, oh, yeah. Obviously, now I, I know. And so I get out of there as fast as I can. I think I'm just kind of numb the rest of the day. And they called me probably 7 or 8 o'clock that night to confirm the results that I was in fact pregnant. And I think they told me I was like four or five weeks along at this point. So I was living in a house with two other roommates. Thankfully, I had the bathroom to myself on the other side of the house. So I go into the bathroom, the pregnancy tests are still sitting there in the trash can. And I'm just sitting there on the floor staring at them. And now it's just really starting to sink in. And I just am overwhelmed with this shame and this guilt all of a sudden that I've never really felt before. It was a very, very deep amount of shame and guilt because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how did I get here? This is not how I envisioned my life. There are going to be so many people disappointed in me, so many people shocked at this news. My family, my parents are going to be disappointed in me. Our church you know, I've let everybody down and my dad's going to feel like he can't be a pastor anymore. Oh my gosh. And I'm just freaking out internally. And so mm-hmm. I crawled into the shower to literally just try and wash some of this filth off. Mm-hmm. Because again, for the last couple of years leading up to this, I had just pretty much mm-hmm. gone haywire. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of a slow drift. It, it was a slow like. fade. There's a song by Casting Crowns called A Slow Fade that mm-hmm. I really relate to now. It was definitely not an overnight thing. It was a little bit here, mm-hmm. a little bit there. Oh, this isn't so bad. Everybody's doing this. This mm-hmm. isn't hurting anybody. You know, those were... Which I think we can all relate to mm-hmm. in one level or another as far as a little slow fade, mm-hmm. a slow drift of doing something that mm-hmm. we're not proud of. Yes. Yeah. And and it was like all of that had just come rushing to the forefront of my mind. Like, what have I been doing these last couple of years? How did I get here? And I didn't even feel worthy enough to like talk to God about any of these feelings or say, I'm sorry, Lord, for how I've done this. I didn't even feel worthy enough to physically like posture myself to look up at him, you know? Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know what to do next. Mm. Obviously, I knew I had to tell our family. So I think my sisters-in-law were the first ones I called. And I don't even remember what I said, when I said mm. it, but would yeah, love. I can remember exactly where I was when you called. I had just delivered my second kid, my first baby girl, when Amanda called. Let me just clarify, I'm married to her hot oldest brother. Mm. And so Amanda was our baby. Like she was my sister. I I don't have a sister that I was born into a family with. So Amanda was our baby. So when she was calling from college, I was figuring we were just going to shoot the breeze. But the news that we got was not that. Mm -hmm. But immediately when she told us, and I'm like looking down at my newborn, I just felt compassion for her. Like Mm -hmm. we were all shocked, of course, there's shock. But I think anytime you're shocked by someone else's sin, Mm-hmm. and focus on that, you're completely hypocritical of what we're all capable of. That's I mean, so true. we all make mistakes. We all mess up. And Amanda was Amanda. Yeah, she may have drifted, but we still loved her right where she was, 
and just had this compassion for her, Mm -hmm. especially her brother. I was worried a little bit how her oldest brother might handle it. Didn't you tell him to sit down before? (laughs) Yes, I told him to sit down. It was kind of like a dreary January, January or February day. It was in January. January. Had to have been in January. Yeah, January. So it was just kind of like cloudy and overcast. We sat down and I told him Amanda's pregnant. And just the look on his face, you know, his baby sister. But we just kind of sat there dazed with, of course, the sticker shock, but more with how can we help her Mm. through this? Because we knew just who you were and how you would react to yourself. You would be more mad at yourself Mm -hmm. and probably Mm -hmm. be more liable to be depressed and angry with yourself. And so I think our concern was mainly for you in that Mm -hmm. moment. How are we going to help you through that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you hit the nail on the head because that is pretty much kind of what comes next. We had to tell our parents next, thank goodness I had the support of my brothers and sister-in-laws. I truly don't know how I would have been able to do everything, all of this without them and their support. And you already said this earlier, but I'll just clarify, like Mm -hmm. you have an amazing, loving, godly home. Yes. Her parents, my in-laws are awesome, incredible Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. But still, you have the fear of your parents and being disappointed, disappointed and all that. All of us, I think we're feeling that for you. Yeah. But the family dinner came where Adam, oh gosh, is my husband and his brother, this Aaron. This is done at family dinner. Family dinner. I'm stressing. I feel like uh, I'm sweating right now. We knew, all the siblings knew what was about to go down. So only, only your parents didn't know. Right. Only the parents. And she brought the boyfriend, I guess. Yes. <laughs> the, the, boyfriend, then boyfriend. the then the, boyfriend. Yes, yes. The then boyfriend. To dinner. That's where we all met him for the first time. Mm-hmm sitting around this like beautiful table. My mother-in-law always decorates her table. Everything's set up. I'm sitting across from Amanda. Amanda's sitting right by her mom and right by the then boyfriend. Of course, my father-in-law's at the head of the table and Mm -hmm. (laughs) the brother-in-law's, her brothers are around the table and there's a lead-in. So Aaron, so her other brother, he, so he oldest has, brother's Adam, older but younger brother is Aaron. Yes. So it goes Adam, Aaron, and Amanda. Right. All and the A's. so the A team. Mm-hmm. Aaron is more of the outspoken one of the bunch, like kind of the honorier, funnier one, but he is the lead in to this whole conversation. Jeez. Why did and we pick so, him to do that? I'm not really I sure. Don't know. That's a good question, but he did a great job, he I did. will say. He did. So he leads in with a question for Pastor Ray, you know. So, Dad, if you were pastoring someone or counseling somebody, And they had a question, like, what if they did something wrong Mm -hmm. and they knew it was wrong? Something along those lines. Yeah, you're exactly right. What would you, what would you say to them? Oh, gosh. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about grace. (laughs) So, of course. What a trap. Ray is on, (laughs) yes. Raybo is on his high horse, just giving us all his pastoral advice, telling us exactly what he would say, telling us about God's amazing grace and forgiveness. And Aaron's just baiting him question Mm -hmm. after question. And then Amanda comes. Oh in. man, he looks at me. I think he had this. They all had this idea that I would just it would just be this organic, natural transition. It was not, and I just blurted, "Mom and Dad, I'm pregnant," and not knowing, silence. yes, uh, not knowing how else to say it. A lifetime of silence after that, like mm-hmm. crickets. Mm-hmm. Silence. I'm sitting across from Amanda and her mom. I watch all the blood drain out of my mother-in-law's face. Mm-hmm. She is white as a sheet. I see my father-in-law just kind of like slump over in disbelief and just silence. And then what breaks the ice is it seemed like eternity goes by. I see my mother-in-law's arm reach around Amanda and pat her on the back. And she goes, well, how far along are you, honey? Just as like a robot would say. And so that's what. Yep, that's exactly what happened. And it was just so much shock. And, you know, that was obviously the last thing they were expecting mm-hmm, to sure. hear. And by the way, <laughs> meet my new boyfriend that oh, I just met a few weeks this, ago. Yes. First time that they're uh-huh. meeting him. Mm-hmm. Crime, all of them. Yep. First time for the whole family. And again, yeah. I had only been hanging out with what them. What a cozy family dinner, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. One for the Not bucks. <laughs> yep. And so I just lost it at that point. Mm. And I had been holding in the tears that whole night until this moment. And they asked a lot of questions and I, you know, we answered everything they wanted to know. We talked about, okay, what's your game plan going to be financially? 
you know, Mr. Boyfriend, do you have a job? How are you going to provide? He was already out of school by this point. Okay, what's your plan here? Amanda, you graduate soon. I had still had like three months until I graduated. What's going to be your plan? So we talked about that. Are you guys going to stay together? Do you do you like each other? Are you going to mm-hmm. date? Like it was, yes. yes, all these questions. And and we were like, yes, do we have to get married? I just had this thought, oh my gosh, we've got to get married before I have this baby. So it's not a baby out of wedlock, you know? Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, 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 no. Let's pump the brakes here. Why don't you guys keep dating, keep continuing to get to know each other. You can still do this God's way if you want to. Do you want to? And we're like, yes, mm-hmm. that's that's how we want to do it. And this is how she was met. Mm-hmm. Like she wasn't met with some angry no. dad, angry mom. She was met with love mm-hmm. from your parents who were also brokenhearted, but they loved you. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine that's how God feels towards all of us, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. when we do something that might not be in line with his will right. is you're met with love, but also there's consequences, but yeah. things that he's going to meet you there. Yes. And I feel like your parents did a really mm-hmm. great job of mm-hmm. meeting you where you were mm-hmm. and not making you feel disgusted. Yes. Because um, you don't have to say out loud, this road's going to be harder. Right. You already knew sure. that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was no sense, like no making me feel ashamed for anything. No, you know, slapping my hand or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was Okay. Let's see, how are we going to move on from here? And just so much support and encouragement from a parental perspective, but then also just a spiritual perspective too. I'm sure they suppressed a lot of emotions and, and feelings until after I left. I, I know that had to have been hard hearing that news from one of their kids. Mm-hmm. But she was still our family's baby, mm-hmm. Amanda was. You know, she's like, we just love her. And mm-hmm. so... That aside, everybody just felt for you. Yeah. At that moment, I think they all kind of took a sliver of burden on their shoulders on my behalf, which I, you know, would have never asked or expected, but it was just automatic. We love you. We're going to take this burden on with you alongside you, and which is something I'll forever be grateful for. And I know there's so many women mm-hmm. and men who go through things like this that don't have the support of their families. And it breaks my heart. I, truly do not know how I would have been able to get through this without the love and support of my family. They were a tangible example of just being Jesus to me in this moment, because obviously, you know, I'm still dealing with, I feel awful about myself. And I I, just, I deserve all the horrible things. I, well, des- I was going to ask you at this point, what are you thinking? Like what's going through your mind? Yes. I don't deserve God's grace. I don't deserve God's forgiveness. I don't deserve anything good from God. And Thankfully, this was kind of the start of feeling some of those tangible things from the Lord through my family. So grateful for that. They were just little fingerprints all along the way. And we told his Mr. Boyfriend, I guess I'll just call him that at the time. We also (laughs) told his parents too, and I have to give them credit as well. They were very kind and supportive and loving and still are actually still have a great relationship. Spoiler alert with them to this day just very, very kind people. So very, very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. We left my parents' house that night feeling a little bit more encouraged, like, okay, maybe this doesn't have to be so doom and gloom, even though I'm still feeling pretty terrible about myself. Okay, maybe this isn't so bad. We can do things God's way going forward. Like we said, that kind of lit a little bit of a, a spark in me. Not much, maybe just a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and The next couple of weeks happen, I keep going to school and work as best I know how, like I don't, and I kept this a secret from everybody else. I didn't, you know, wasn't really announcing this, wasn't necessarily proud of this. And But I do love that you went to your family. mm -hmm. You could have easily not. Oh, well, I'm glad you kind of mentioned that because before I broke the news to everybody, I was in such a dark place once this reality had set in. I literally prayed for a miscarriage, which is heartbreaking. I've only said that out loud to people once before this. I thought, God, you can take this from me and no one will ever know. Mm -hmm. Or on the flip side, that was the perfect foot in the door for the enemy to say, or you could take care of this yourself Mm -hmm. and no one would ever know. I didn't want to do that. 
So I cried out to God, please take this from me. So I don't have to do this because I don't want to do this. I'm so ashamed. I don't want to do this. You can take the reins here and just make it all go away. And then I won't even have to, this can be our little secret. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what sin does. To yes. You. It makes you want to hide, sweep it under the rug to the point, mm-hmm. not have to deal with it, which I'm so glad you did, obviously didn't listen to that voice. Yes. Thankfully, I had, you know, the Holy Spirit right. became a believer at a young age. And so I praise God that his voice was louder than the mm-hmm. enemies, especially in that moment. Mm-hmm. But then I, that's kind of why I knew I've got to tell my family that I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else can happen if I don't tell them. And so, again, they were just an amazing sense of support for me. And then the next couple of weeks goes by trying to kind of get back into my day to day routine as best I know how. And then I get a text message from Mr. Boyfriend that we need to talk, which nothing could ever comes ever. after that. That lead is <laughs> never the great. worst text message you can ever mm-hmm. receive. But I didn't really think anything of it. I mean, everything was fine. We had, you know, even though two or three weeks had passed. I mean, we had Valentine's Day had passed at this point. We did a little Valentine's with each other. And so I wasn't really suspecting anything. Mm-hmm. And so I get off work, he comes over and he basically right off the bat tells me that he wants to be with somebody else and get back together with an ex-girlfriend. And I was so confused. I was like, why? I'm like eight weeks pregnant with your baby. Why would you do that? Mm-hmm. And I, I was so confused at first and obviously in shock. And then he's trying to explain to me why. And I just, it was like Charlie Brown. <laughs> you know, I didn't hear a word he was saying. It was, and then came the anger. And I was like, I don't want to see you ever again. Mm -hmm. This is not right. And I was so mad. And so it was a very short conversation. And I didn't see him again for a while after that or talk to him. And I was so upset. I called my mom, picked up my phone. This was like a Wednesday night. Called my mom. I said, I've got to come home. Something terrible just happened. Didn't even tell her what. She's like, okay, yes, come on home. It's a 45 minute drive. I grabbed my keys, didn't even grab anything else. Drive home. I'm just bawling my eyes out the whole way home. I'm so upset, so heartbroken. I walk in the door and my dad's still at church because it's a Wednesday night. So it's just my mom. She's standing there. If you can imagine, you know, we can like laugh. I'm glad we can kind of laugh about some of these details now that she's just standing there so nervous at the kitchen counter. I think she just knew she had this mother's intuition that she just knew what had happened. I didn't have to say a word. I just walked in the door and she just embraced me and held me. And I just cried. I said, mom, he broke up with me. Why, why would he do this? He left me. I'm alone now. And, and so we moved to the living room floor and she just held me while I just sat there and cried. And then my dad walks in and he sees us both crying on the living room floor. And he's like, what the heck? happened. And so she fills him in and he sits down on the floor with us and they both just held me while I cried. Mm-hmm. And it was more of that continuing conversation like mom and dad I'm so sorry I've done this. I already feel so bad about myself and now I have to go through this alone and now I'm angry and now I'm bitter and all these feelings I'd never experienced bitterness and resentment towards someone before. And this was very new, very, very dark feelings. And again, they were just so loving and just held me. They didn't try to fix anything in that moment. Just told me, we are here for you. You are not alone. Your heavenly father is with you first and foremost. And you have your whole family here with you. We're not going anywhere. And that was a a hard, difficult night. I think I skipped class the rest of the week and just Mm -hmm. stayed in bed at their house. And this deep wave of depression just kind of took over me. And you, Christy, you called it when you said you guys were kind of worried about that happening to me. And, and sure enough, that is what happened. And I, Mm -hmm. I was once this joyful, jovial, happy-go-lucky girl. And I did a total 180 and I went Mm -hmm. to a deep, dark place and the enemy had a field day with my mind. Especially being young, Mm -hmm. still in college, 
your first baby, mm-hmm. your body's changing, mm-hmm. your world's changing. You're about to graduate mm-hmm. college, you know, in a few months. So, and all of your dreams have shifted. Mm-hmm. All of your dreams have, well, in your mind too, have shattered. Right. At that point, I don't think she had even thought about shifting her mm-hmm. mindset to anything. Just her world had mm-hmm. blown up in her face. Right. So I can only imagine. It's hard enough doing this married mm-hmm. with your first baby. Right. It's scary enough. Yeah. So alone in college, first baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Terrifying. Yes. And just a, a level of embarrassment, too. Mm-hmm. I was embarrassed. Once again, like all those feelings that I had had throughout all those failed relationships. What is wrong with me? Why am I not good enough? That all came back to surface. Once again, I'm not good enough for somebody. And and you couldn't keep it hidden anymore. No, right. This is going to be announced to the world. Yeah. And that, that was a really, really rough period. We didn't really kind of know how to proceed. How do I go to school and work like this hasn't happened? And again, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. How do I do this? I'm so angry at myself. I'm angry at God for letting this happen, but I can't be angry at God. I'm the one that got myself in this position. So then I'm back to being angry at me and I'm angry at him for hurting me this way. It was like pouring salt into the wound. When you said originally, you couldn't even like imagine looking up to pray. Did that change? No, I had a lot of conversations in my head and there were some very angry comments towards God. So there wasn't really any like, God, I'm so sorry. There was a feeling of remorse, but I was not, I couldn't bring myself to even just express that to him. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was quick to voice my anger. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. So anyway, not really kind of knowing how to go forward from here. We had a, several ladies at our church that my dad was pastor Uh, At the time, he was actually a pastor at this church for 20 years, so Mm -hmm. very long time. We love, love, love this church, still do to this day. And there were several ladies there that are volunteers at Hope Pregnancy Center. Mm -hmm. And so my parents thought, well, maybe this is a good place for us to go. And so we made an appointment, myself and my parents, and we go there and we walk in and everyone that was there that day was just so kind and so loving. It was like they'd been expecting us. They'd been praying for us. Mm. Come on in. There is no judgment here. You come sit right here. Mm -hmm. And so they took me back to a room with two other ladies. One of them had a similar story, had walked through something similar and shared her story with me. And That was just what I needed to hear at that moment. Someone else that had been through Mm -hmm. this and come out on the other side, who's also a believer. And so that was a really, really touching conversation and moment in my heart. Then after that, I got to have an ultrasound there at the center. It was free. It's something that they offer to any client that Mm -hmm. comes in the doors there. How many weeks are you at this point? I was probably still not even through with my first trimester, probably like 10-ish weeks. And I'm laying on this table, which again is so awkward getting an ultrasound with your mom and dad in the room. <laughs> Normally it's supposed to be your husband. Yeah. And again, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. I'm here with my parents. I'm grateful that sure. they're there. I'm grateful that we have this moment. But still, I'm like, oh man, this is humiliating. But you know, my parents again, they were just so, so sweet, so kind. And the nurse that did the ultrasound for me, she was such a sweet young lady was very calming, made me feel very at peace, made me feel very comfortable being there, answered any questions that I had. You know, have you thought about this or do you want to know about this? And Mm -hmm. um, it was really, really good, even just from like a medical perspective to have someone kind of speak that into me in also a spiritual way. And so she does this ultrasound and God's voice, he may have well just been audibly talking so loud through that heartbeat saying, Amanda, you are still mine. Mm -hmm. There is nothing you can do to separate you from me. And this baby that you see on the screen is also mine. Mm -hmm. Even though this child is not coming into the world the way you thought, the way you envisioned, this child still belongs to me and you Mm -hmm. still very much belong to me and everything's going to be okay. And I think my parents heard that same message from the Lord that day. 
And so that was a very, very pivotal moment for us. And I am very grateful for that ultrasound that day. That was a major shift mm-hmm. for me in that moment. I was already kind of brought to my knees by everything that had happened. And this brought me to my face. I think that was the first time I had audibly heard the Lord's voice, even though I know He was there, you know, every step of the way. I think that was the first time my heart had even been opened up to hear His voice. And it was very comforting at this moment. I still don't feel like I even deserve to hear from Him, but I did hear His voice. You know, as you're talking, it makes me think of this story in Luke. I'm just going to read it real quick Mm -hmm. because I don't know. I just feel Mm -hmm. like I should. It's when Jesus tells the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. He said, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God. I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not to even lift his eyes, which when you said this Mm -hmm. earlier is what made me think about it, dared not to even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me Mm -hmm. for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. Mm -hmm. Yep. Amen. I think by this point, the Lord had reminded me, this is why I gave you the gift of salvation. Mm. It's for this moment and even the white lie you told when you were six years old. This is not too great for me. This is not too great to where now all of a sudden you're undeserving of my grace and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And it took some time for me to fully embrace that. My head knew that. I grew up hearing that, you know, all through the years of me growing up in church and and being a believer, my heart just all of a sudden, and again, that was the enemy trying to persuade me that I'm not deserving of this. You're a horrible person and you should just give up, you know, throw in the towel. And absolutely not. It was the the Lord fought for me day in and day out anytime I went to those deep, dark places. So then going forward, I had just an army of people around me to walk beside me, not only my family, but we obviously knew we needed to break the news to our church. So, you know, I couldn't just show up with this big growing belly and not say anything. Mm -hmm. So we're like, how do we do that? And I was fully willing and prepared to share this news myself, however I needed to. But even that, that was terrifying to think about. My dad had confided in a couple of men at church that were deacons that he really respected. And they were like, no, we're not making Amanda do that. She's already been through enough. Absolutely not. She does not need to do that. Let's think of another way. So there was another local pastor here in Oklahoma City that had been through something similar with his daughter. And she wrote a letter to the church and her dad read it. Mm -hmm. So we thought, okay, let's do that. And so I did. I typed up a letter and we called a special prayer service, which at a Southern Baptist church, if you call a special prayer service, there were several other needs in the church at that time that needed some prayer. If you call a special prayer service in a Southern Baptist church, they will come. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Probably with a casserole. Yes. Yes. With a casserole. Um, Exactly. And And, dang good. I bet too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So there uh, we had an, an army of people show up that night. My dad reads the letter towards the end of the service, and I'll never forget it. I'm sitting on the front row, just looking down. I'm so anxious as to what everyone is going to think, and I'm just sweating. My pits are just Mm. drenched, and I have sweat dripping everywhere. And, you know, my mom's sitting there with me, and he reads the letter, and he, for the first time, is like, at a loss for words with what Mm -hmm. to say next. I've never seen this with my dad before. He could talk to a tree Mm -hmm. and he could, you know, drag a sermon out for hours and hours. And he reads this letter and doesn't know how, what to say next. And he folds it up and puts it back in his pocket. And I'll never forget this sweet, sweet man who we still love very dearly stood up. His name is Joe. Stood up and he said, Ray, I think it's time for us to pray over your family. And Everybody got up 
and just surrounded us and laid hands on us. And it was just the sweetest prayers that came from all over the room, all around me. And I just sat there and sobbed. I Again, I was like, I don't deserve this. Why are you guys doing this? I feel so filthy still. And it was like, you're getting this whether you like it or not, <laughs> you know? And they're just so many sweet words. And after they were done, so many people hugged on me and loved on me that night and said, we are walking through this with you. You're not going anywhere. We are filling in the gaps. We are interceding for you. We are going to help you raise this baby. Mm-hmm. And, and then so many people telling me this, this happened to me, older women, this happened to me. I've never shared this with anyone. This happened to me or this happened to my mom and I was the unplanned pregnancy. Yeah. And people that have wonderful stories now and and that you really love and look up to and you're like, what? Really? And mm-hmm. so I remember I had one guy that was like, Amanda, this sin is no different from mine or any of ours. Yours mm-hmm. just has visible consequences, mm-hmm. you know, and the rest of us were able to hide most of ours. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I oh, know and this is a really so true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so over the next few months, that's how it was. I, my church family was just so amazing. So many people lifted me up each week when I walked through those doors, when I didn't feel like it getting bigger and bigger, no ring on my finger, no man by my side. But you kept showing up. I kept showing up. I knew if I didn't, that I would go back to that deep, dark place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that as a believer, that God's way was the only way out of this because I had obviously not been doing it God's way. And look how that, how, how well that worked out for me. So I knew that I needed, I needed to be in the house of the Lord consistently surrounded by these people, even while I was ashamed to show up a lot of days. And that's a word for everyone mm-hmm. in general, no matter what situation, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. No matter what you could be going through, it is sometimes hard to walk through the doors of a church knowing what's going on at home or what you've done or how someone has treated you. Or it just can be easier to go like run Mm -hmm. and hide and not try not. I guess you can really get away with dealing with it. Yes. Well, the Lord definitely knew that I was struggling with that because he would send someone to me almost immediately, borderline tackling me every time I walked in to just give me an encouraging word or say, I'm praying for your future husband. Mm -hmm. It's stuff like that. Like, what? Why? No. Mm -hmm. Why? Really? And um, they threw me the sweetest baby shower. I had got everything I needed. Didn't have to use my money on a single thing. I don't think, which I didn't have much money at the time. But and she was the most beautiful pregnant person you've ever seen. She's already beautiful. You're sweet. But even with her growing belly, I mean, she's never looked more beautiful. It's really Mm -hmm. sweet. When you were talking though about you know just showing up and being ashamed and. Mm It reminded me of that verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 29, 25, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And you did that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would be easy and it probably was a rough road wondering, what are they thinking about me? Yes. What's everybody saying or whispering about? But throughout it all, I felt like you always went back to trusting in God Mm -hmm. and his path for you. Yeah, I'm again, I'm so grateful that his voice was louder in those moments, encouraging me to keep going, keep coming, keep coming to me. Did it give you a greater empathy for those going through hard things or someone who is trapped in their own mistakes? Oh, yeah. I think I had this new radar (laughs) detection that now that I knew I was hurting in such a unique way, I just thought, well, goodness, there's probably so many other people around me that I'm here with every week, maybe going through something. Or after this, anytime someone new walked in the doors, I had this new inspiration to just immediately love on those people because you don't know what they might be walking through, what they're ashamed to talk about or whatever the case may be. Definitely a Mm -hmm. new sense of empathy for sure, especially other girls or women going through what I went through at that time. Right. And it's super common. Yep, it is. And unfortunately, it's a very hard ministry to keep a single mom's ministry because then the need is so great. And it is really, really hard to keep up with that need. But absolutely. 
okay, so at this point, you're set up to have this baby. Mm-hmm. Yes, I had her in October of that year. My lovely sister-in-law sitting next to me helped bring her into the world as the best labor and delivery nurse. I had one of my best friends and my mom in the room with me. It was a great day. What a joy to bring my little niece, my first niece into this world. Yeah, it was a really special, special time for us. And I had already moved back in with my parents at this point after I graduated. I had a job that was totally provided by the Lord. So things were, you know, I was doing this single mom thing. Mm-hmm. And I just want to also pause and note, mm-hmm. obviously we're skipping ahead to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I know that during the pregnancy process, you had a lot of different thoughts that you were thinking through mm-hmm. and praying through. Yes. And actually I was going to counseling for several months, still working through a lot of um, obviously the shame and guilt that I was uh, feeling and, and having to work through that and learn how to let go of that. Mm-hmm. And then also just the fear of the unknown and the anxiety of I'm going to be a single mom. How do I do this? Mm-hmm. So I was going through a lot of counseling. And in that time, even the thought came up in my head, well, maybe I should consider adoption. Maybe maybe that's God's story for me. Maybe there's a family out there that I can bless. And, you know, maybe that that's what this looks like. Prayed through that. It wasn't what the Lord had for me. But I'm so grateful for the people that I did speak to, even considering it. So the counseling, I would highly recommend that Mm -hmm. to anybody. That was very, very crucial also for me during that time. So I'm living with my parents. I have this little girl and working. Yes. And fast forward. Gosh, let's see. She was three whenever I met. Mr. Wright. Literally, literally, Mr. Wright. Wright. His last name is Wright. Uh (laughs) We worked at the same company and we had a mutual friend that introduced us and it was so awkward. And we dated for like a short time and then split ways. Didn't see each other for a while. And like a year and a half later, ran back into each other at work again and started dating. And he poured out his heart to me and cried that he hadn't slept since the last time he saw me. (laughs) Sounds just (laughs) like Jason. Anyone that knows Jason knows that is absolutely not true. (laughs) Not his first name. (laughs) No. A man of few words. Yes. And definitely few feelings. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. But again, that is something that the Lord knew I needed because I was obviously, I'm a big feeler, especially Mm -hmm. with everything I had just gone through and he knew I needed a husband that would be black and white. And he's yeah. been a really great foundation and a solid rock for me. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but he didn't even hesitate with taking Kinsley in as his own. Which and how old is Kinsley now? She is 11 now. She and just speak, turned 11. And speaking of things we needed, that's mm-hmm. like we all needed Kinsley in our life. Mm-hmm. She is a blessing to all of us. Mm-hmm. She's got a personality larger than life. Mm-hmm. She brings the spice, but she also has so much sweetness to her. Yeah. She's like the leader of the cousin pack. Mm-hmm. We all have kids around the same age and she is a blessing to all of us. Isn't that wild to look back and think, yes. what if she, what if she was here? Oh, oh my goodness. Life would be dull without her. I can't imagine my life without her, honestly. And we have such a special relationship. I can't wait to watch it blossom and groom as she gets older. And I'm hoping it stays this special even throughout her teenage years. <laughs> it will. But one thing that has changed my perspective through all of this, my perspective of God, I now realize his outlines that he gave us for sex and marriage and family were no joke. I mean, they were not to be played around with. And it wasn't because he's this condemning God that wants to keep all of these good things from us. Mm -hmm. Quite the opposite. In fact, you know, if any one of my kids runs out into the street chasing after a toy, I have to discipline them for that, for their protection and their safety, because I love them so much. Mm -hmm. I don't want anything to hurt them. And that's what his outline for sex and marriage and family are. They are to protect us because he loves us so much. He wants us to experience joy and be blessed in our marriages and our sex lives. And that is something that, you know, I I listened to all the purity conferences and talks growing up and took all the vows and the commitments and Mm -hmm. my head knew all those things. And and now my heart knows why he addresses so much of that in his word Mm -hmm. and something that I will hope I can convey to my kids, you know, in a unique way as they're getting into those ages. And something that I would just like to share that 
really helped me throughout this time was the story of the sinful woman in Luke. I thought you were going to bring her up whenever you started talking about Luke, but she's called the sinful woman and we don't know her name. Jeez, what a label. I know, right? She wasn't even... It does make me sad that we don't know her name, but at the same time, we can all insert ourselves in there. Yeah. And I relate so much to her and just how she fell down at Jesus's feet. She was so desperate to get to Jesus. She invited herself into this Pharisee's home, which that was so bold of her. Anyway, she falls down at Jesus's feet, sobbing, knowing how much she needs him. And he sees her and and this Pharisee wants her to go away and is trying to embarrass her and shun her. And and Jesus is taking no part of that. Mm -hmm. And he's looking at her while talking to the Pharisee and basically says, your sins are forgiven. And I think I can't remember exactly. I think it's verse 47. It cracks me up. I don't remember exactly the wording, but he's basically like, and her sins are many and (laughs) and they're pretty great. But you are forgiven. And go, he stands up for her. Yeah. Go now in peace. And I relate so much to that. And I think that was a story in the scripture that really carried me through. It's like, well, gosh, if she made such an impact and God wanted us to hear this story, I feel like I'm her. And so maybe it is real, that peace that I can have, that forgiveness. I just need to accept it and believe that it is real. Do you still feel sin, shame, guilt? There are moments. So I also have to give credit to Kinsley's dad. There were some really difficult years. He is also a believer, has come to recently renew his relationship with the Lord, which I'm so grateful for. Um, And so the last couple of years have been really, really good. And um, his relationship with Kinsley has really flourished. And it's really neat to see that and watch Mm -hmm. that. So grateful for that. We all have a relationship Mm -hmm. with Kinsley's dad and their side of the family. They're great. I can't imagine them not being in our lives. Yes. And did you mention that you have have other kids? Oh, yes. Two others since... I think you maybe said it at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So two others with my husband. And so they they love her to death. It's really been cool to watch that. But there had definitely been moments where all those things kind of resurface whenever we were going through a co-parenting struggle or I was feeling some deep anxiety about a situation And it was like, well, you know, those thoughts like, well, maybe if you didn't get yourself in this position in the first place, or what if you just wouldn't have even told anybody or told him and just had this baby, you know, without him in her life or even things like that, like the enemy still very much tries to plant those thoughts in my mind. And I have to take those thoughts captive and combat them. And thank goodness, I have so many great friends that I can call and I'll say, I'm so angry about this. I'm anxious about this. And they will say, look what God has done in your life. Why would he not provide for you now? Why will he not show up now? And good for you calling them and Mm -hmm. good for them answering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what we need. Yes. All of us. Oh my goodness. And being able to share my story and see how God has used this to touch others walking through something similar. It's been a good reminder that nothing is wasted Mm -hmm. with the Lord and what the enemy meant for evil, he can certainly use for good. So that's been kind of a just a working relationship that he has done in my heart to use that as a constant flow of I'm still here. Your story can still be used. It's still relevant. It's still, you know, like I said, I, the last couple of days, I felt like the enemy was just making me think it's not relevant. And that's a lie from the pits of hell. Anyone's story is relevant yeah. when God is involved. Well, I've never heard it in so much detail. Mm -hmm. And so for me, even sitting here, I mean, I feel encouraged and I feel inspired and I feel reminded of all those things that in my head, like you were saying, I know are true. Yeah. Like I know that His grace truly is sufficient, Mm -hmm. but then to see it and hear it playing out in your story in such a tangible, real way, Mm -hmm. it's stunning. Thank you for that. Another way that God has been able to do some healing in my heart, you know, back before I got pregnant, you know, I dealt with the what's wrong with me? Why do I not have anything to offer anyone? And, you know, again, once I was pregnant and single, I went through all of that all over again. And so the Lord had to do some major healing in my heart to prepare me to one day meet my husband. Mm. I knew, I mean, he made it very clear, Amanda, you are not <laughs> in a good state of mind to meet one of my sons. And as much as I thought, 
God, I want this. This is a desire of my heart. Yes, he does give us the desires of my heart. Well, my heart needed to be made whole first before he brought one of his sons into my life so that, you know, one of his sons wasn't getting a broken person. Mm-hmm. And I like that you just said making your heart whole first, because, mm-hmm. you know, there's such an idea of like, they're going to complete me. And it's like, no, Christ completes us. Yes. And then he brings us together right. with other whole people. Right. Yeah. So that that was a long process. That was also not an overnight thing. That was mm-hmm. I needed to be content with him and see an intimate side of him to fill those voids in, in my heart that I was trying to fill with, you know, people and relationships. And that's also something I hope to convey to my kids too, yeah. as they get to that age. Your girl's getting up yeah, there. Right. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any resources that you want everyone to know about? Absolutely. So I mentioned Hope Pregnancy Center. I cannot preach them enough. If there's anybody walking through a similar story or experience in unplanned pregnancy, there's two locations in Oklahoma City, one in Edmond, one in Tulsa, and one in Ardmore. Check them out. And they also have resources for families with young children. They offer an abortion recovery program that has just been an amazing turnout with some really, really great stories. And then also I want to mention a ministry called Real Single Moms Ministry. It's all caps, R-E-A-L. They are kind of a phase two, similar to what Hope offers, but they're kind of a phase two with walking alongside these moms in the workplace Mm -hmm. and raising these kids as they get into... they're born. Yeah. Once they get into older ages and and Mm -hmm. how do you navigate being a single mom with a full-time working job and and all the things for all your kids and being mom and dad or going through these custody battles, whatever the case may be, they have an endless amount of resources for single moms as well. There's a conference every year at Crossings Community Church called Thrive Gathering that's a huge turnout. And they offer so many wonderful books and Bible studies. I would encourage anyone to, to attend one of those. I went to several of them. Is Thrive, you said Thrive Gathering? Thrive Gathering is the name of the conference. Is it for women, for moms, for, for single moms? single moms. Okay. Yep. And they typically will have many speakers attend. Mm-hmm. It's a whole weekend thing. And they'll have books and resources with, you know, booths outside in the lobby with all these great things to to check out and awesome. um, and it's just another opportunity to meet other women going through something similar and to build a community around you Love get involved but lastly I can't stress enough the importance of being a part of a church family and I again I can't imagine walking through what I did without the support of our church family some of those people a lot of those people we are still very close with to this day they hold mm-hmm. a very special place in my heart so that is probably the biggest thing that I would recommend and diving into the word, no matter if it's a Bible plan, which there are several regarding, you know, being a single parent, co-parenting God's way. And I did some of those. Those were very helpful and just diving into scripture. Do you want to leave us with some final thoughts or a final word of encouragement? Absolutely. If you are in a season of waiting, if you're listening and you're in a season of waiting, I just encourage you not to compromise and to wait for God's best. The inconvenience of the waiting is minuscule compared to the pain that you may cause by giving in to that instant gratification. His way is always better. He tells us in scripture, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it in Proverbs 4.23. And then to follow up with that, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your desires of your heart in Psalms 37. So if you do that, he fulfills his promises and he's He's not going to back out on those. And then lastly, whatever you may be walking through, whatever your circumstances, if it feels hopeless, I just want to encourage you that you don't have to carry the burden of fixing your story because the cross has the final say in Girl. your story. And the redeeming power of the cross never stops. It's a it's an ever-flowing redeeming power. And whatever you're walking through, as long as you have breath, God's not finished with you yet. So I just want to lastly honor your courage and your boldness to step out and just share your story. I know it's going to help so many. So thank you. Thank honestly, you so thank much you. for giving me the opportunity. Well, as always, all the resources mentioned are linked in the conversation notes. And for those of you who might have a similar story to Amanda, but with different details, 
We've also linked some past episodes on single motherhood, blended families, and even hope after abortion, if that's a part of your story. Remember, you can subscribe to this podcast for free, however you like to stream, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. You can connect with us and tag us on Instagram at The Messy Table Podcast. And finally, as you head back into your week and into your world, please don't forget that yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.